Welcome to the Ireland-Canada Connection, a podcast series that explores the deep cultural, political and business relationship between Ireland and Canada. And this podcast series is brought to you by the Ireland-Canada Business Association. I am Patrick Hawhey of Audio Brand, and on this episode, I'm honoured to be joined by the new ambassador to Canada, Jamaica and the Bahamas, that is Eamon McKee. Ambassador McKee is such an interesting guest to talk to. He has previously held ambassadorial positions in Seoul and Israel, and he has spent the last five years as Director General of the Trade Division at the Department of Foreign Affairs. He's also an avid reader of history and indeed loves writing about the subject too, which I think helps give him a lot of perspective on some of the challenges that the world is facing right now. Now, I also must mention that at one point of the interview, Ambassador McKee talks about his great admiration for John Hume and everything he managed to achieve around the Northern Irish peace process. Uh, But he doesn't reference his recent passing. Now, that is because we recorded this interview just before John Hume sadly passed away, which explains why there is no such reference. So I just wanted to point that out before we get into the interview. This is an interview I really, really enjoyed. I hope you do too. So let's get to the conversation. And Eamon McKee, welcome to the Ireland-Canada Connection and huge congratulations on your appointment as Ireland's, Ireland's ambassador to Canada, Jamaica and the Bahamas. It is a fascinating time to be embarking on such a role, no doubt, Eamon. Yeah, thanks, Pat. Delighted to be with you. Yeah, no, great honour and, and a great delight, I have to say, for to get this posting. So I know you're, you've just got your feet under the desk, but what would your early aspirations and goals for the role be, just from the position you're in now? Well, like all ambassadors, I mean, fundamentally, you convey messages between one government and another. That's the traditional role, and that's what you have to be. Well, that's what you have to do. So your your priority is to to establish good relations with with your kind of counterparts in the Canadian government and the Canadian system, so that when issues arise between governments, you're you're there to convey those messages accurately and to know who to talk to. And then, of course, you need to spread, uh, have a good spread of contacts. So when something unforeseen happens or there's a crisis, you need to know who to pick up the phone to. So it really, when you get started, it's about outreaching to your contacts. Jim and the team already will have all of those. So they'll be able to introduce me to an awful lot of people and who are the, the go-to people. And, and that's really where you start. I mean, at the end of the day, diplomacy is about connecting people, you know. And when you make the right connections, things happen, you know. But yeah, fundamentally, the role of a, of a diplomat and an ambassador is to represent Ireland to the Canadian government, but also to Canadian people. And I guess you, you, you're you not starting from scratch from a cultural perspective because like what a, an Irish presence and an Irish heritage in Canada already. And I saw you tweeting, you're going to get stuck into some reading to prepare yourself for the role. I saw you tweeting about a book that you have on your list, A Land of Dreams, Ethnicity, yeah. Nationalism and the Irish in Newfoundland, Nova Scotia and Maine between 1880 and 1923. That is going to be an interesting read. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of new studies coming out. There's another book that's just been published on, you know, the, the history between Ireland and Canada writ large. I mean, there's a fascinating history there that is in some way, I think, occluded by the kind of the Irish-American experience. Um, and the Irish experience in Canada, I think, is, is a very, is, is very particular to itself. And of course, we have more, proportionately in the population, there are more Irish people or Irish, of Irish descent in, in Canada than there is in, in America. But the other fascinating element is that, you know, since the, the global financial crisis, 2007, 2008, an awful lot of Irish people were attracted to Canada as a destination, you know. And so you've kind of got the Irish community in Canada revivified by, by new Irish arriving uh, right across, actually, Canada, but particularly in Vancouver as well. So uh, huge heritage there, massive, massive influence. Even when I was doing some research 
I discovered that uh, Lord Edward Fitzgerald, the, the great Irish patriot, did uh, was in Canada and cut a trail. So I'm going to kind of explore that. But it's also another part of representing Ireland is exploring the kind of the history and the connections between the two countries. It's a way of connecting as well. So, yeah, that's fascinating. And on my wife's side, her, her grandparents came from Canada as well. So we'd be able to make some connections there, too, you know. So, yeah, really, really amazing history to to delve into, you know. And I know history is something that's a very big part of your life. And I would like to, to touch on some of those aspects in a, in a few moments time. But just coming back to that issue, that that thing you raised in relation to the kind of the new wave of Irish going over to Canada yeah. and particularly Vancouver. And I think, um, again, you know, an interesting time for you to take up this role because there has been such an increasing presence and uh, not only by the Irish government in the form of IDA and EI offices and a consulate, but also of just so many more Irish people um, choosing Canada as a place to go when they're young, when they're on a, you know, a visa programme or whatever that might be. And I think because of um, the way Trump, um, Donald Trump and the, the US regime seems to um, be maybe changing its attitudes towards uh, this area, Canada might continue to grow and grow in terms of a destination for young Irish people. Well, I mean, listen, in the, in the history of immigration, you know, once people start going somewhere, you know, the contact back home means other people get pulled over. I mean, and we saw that in the history of the Irish in America. We see it everywhere. So it would be no surprise if kind of channels of communication are open and, and people people go there. Um, but I have to say, America still still looms large in, in, in people's minds. It's still a great country. You know, my, my wife's from uh, Connecticut. Um and I think that the, the difficulty, in fact, when I was posted to Washington, we were dealing with the undocumented Irish. This is going back when I arrived in Washington in January 1990. And, you know, it was, it was difficult for the Irish to get visas because of the Vietnam War, emigra- emigration to, to the United States had dropped off, fears of, of being drafted. And then in the interim, then the Immigration and Nationality Act essentially meant uh, that it was about family connection. So an awful lot of our immigrants in America came from you know, uh, Asia, for example, and, and and South America. So we were working, I worked on that in Washington. So yeah, it, it has become progressively over the years more difficult to establish uh, resident status in the US. Canada has, has a totally different system, as you know. But again, yeah, Canada ha- has an, a, amazing attractions, not just for Irish people, but for people around the world, you know. I mean, the scale of Canada and the beauty and the economic opportunities, you know, what's not to, to like about it as, as a place to work, live and, and raise your kids, you know. And as you say, and to work as well, and also is to establish operations there. So many, many Irish companies are choosing Canada as a place to open up their, maybe their first office outside of Ireland. And again, there's huge opportunities there, isn't there, in terms of, of what can be achieved from, by a small Irish company in terms of opening up to that market? No, absolutely. And, and you know, Canada has so much to offer, not just the scale of the market, but, you know, it's got a great regulatory system. Uh, your IP is protected. You know, it's a great um, business environment. But also Irish companies are responding to, first of all, the, you know, the financial crisis and that shock, but also the shock of Brexit. And, and they're aware that you have to diversify your markets, you know, and what better place to go to than somewhere like Canada. So, yeah, Irish companies are much more entrepreneurial. And also, I think, in this digital age, it's much easier to explore a market, to establish a presence. Uh, your overheads are less. You can really be much more certain of your market potential. You know, you should say, of course, we've established a consulate in Vancouver, and uh, Frank Flood, the consul general over there, is doing a fantastic job. Um, and so that's a that's a that's a really uh, important development. 
in under the Global Ireland strategy, there's a commitment to open up a consulate in, in Toronto. We're looking forward to, to doing that uh, at the right opportunity and, and when resources permit and all of that. But that's certainly something we'd be aspiring to. Um, you know, there's been a huge uptake as well under Jim Kelly, my predecessor, huge uptake in the number of high level visits to Canada. You know, the relationship has really taken off. And so, yeah, I think it's uh, it's a really exciting time and there's so much to build on, you know. Yeah. And here at the ICBA, we've seen membership almost double or more than double in the last number of years, which is just testament, very real grounded testament to that increasing and flourishing relationship. Absolutely. And the point about it is, is that business is done by personal connections, you know. And before I kind of got into, you know, the more the more economic promotional side of diplomacy and in terms of business, I had always kind of had a naive idea it was about, you know, the bottom line and, and profit margins. And I, I only discovered then actually business is all about personal connections. It's about, you know, doing something you like with people that you like working with. And and that only happens by having organizations like um, the Irish Canada Business Association uh, making those connections uh, with people, you know, and, and also helping, you know, new Irish who are arrived here uh, in Canada, you know, helping them establish, get jobs and find opportunities, you know, and it really is all about networking, you know. Absolutely. Uh, but of course, this is not your first ambassadorial role, is it? No, my third, actually, I was honored to uh, be posted to Korea for four years. Uh, and then I went over to Israel for two years. And then I was asked to come back to head up the uh, trade division role. So, yeah, I've had uh, two postings as ambassador. And, and you know, it's, it, it's a great honor. And, and I don't mean that lightly. When you present your letter of credentials to usually the, the, the head of state, I, it's, it's a huge moment of pride to represent Ireland. You know, you really do. You do feel it. And I think you know, when, when you even when you go abroad as a as an immigrant, I think you suddenly become much more aware of how Irish you are and pride in your story and pride in your society and pride and, and proud of the achievements of Ireland. And I think we, we all feel that once we're away from home. You know, it's almost as if you need to be away from home to be able to see the kind of the quality and the and, and the uniqueness of, of, of Irish people. Uh, the kind of society we have and the heritage we enjoy, you know. It's a very good point because I think we're one of the things maybe that makes us a a, a humble nation is that we can be quite self-critical <clears throat> and certainly don't like to blow our own trumpets. And um, it's, as you say, if you just stay within Ireland, that's what you're surrounded by. But once you leave the shores of Ireland, you you understand maybe, I suppose, the the power or the attraction of the the green jersey, let's say. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. And I discovered, you know, as a long time, I served in America from 1992. Well, actually, I was in Boston for a few months in 89 and then went down to Washington in 1990. I was there for six years. And you really do get that, the, the response when you say you're Irish, you know, uh, universally. And I, I can't, you know, you get it wherever you go in the world, but particularly uh, in the United States, I found, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, almost a recognition factor. Uh, you get a people get a smile on uh, on their face and they hear you're from Ireland and they usually find an Irish connection. But you know, there's a kind of um, we have a it's hard to put your finger on it, but we have a brand identity which which is really really compelling. Uh, and I think it goes back to our history. We were never a, we're you know we're one of the few Western countries to be a colony. We you know we were never a colonial power. We never kind of absorbed the 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 kind of the thinking around being an imperial power. You know, we're very empathetic. We we're good listeners. Um, we don't tend to use power. We tend to use suasion and consensus, um, you know, and, 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 and I think that that all stands to us, you know. 
it's something that actually came up at a, an ICBA event last year is and from a Canadian perspective that maybe Brand Canada could be something that is worked on more and put out there more because Ireland, you know, your reputation precedes you when you're Irish and people recognise it. But the Canadians have so much to be proud of in terms of just uh, maybe cultural qualities, just to, in terms of the, the, the stereotypical stuff, let's say, um, so much to be proud of, uh, so much of um, uh, so much to, to, to boast about and to be and uh, to be putting out there. But maybe they, the Canadians don't do that so much. And maybe that's something that they could look at. No, I think that's a very fair point, because I think when 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 you hear, you know, you're meeting a Canadian or you see the Canadian flag, I think there's a very positive response to that as well. I think people regard the Canadians as, you know, very decent people, law abiding, sensitive, you know, um, good people to be with. And and I think that is absolutely, absolutely true. And and uh, yeah, surely there, 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 there's, there's always work to be done. Listen, the world is a crowded place out there, you know, in terms of social media and information. Uh, but having a very clear sense of yourself, I think, really helps, you know. And it's not about branding anything that's phony. It's actually the opposite. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of being true to yourself, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's exactly it. So uh, for the last, am I right, the last number of years, you've been Director General of the Trade Division at the Department of Foreign Affairs. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, it was a job I asked for because when I when I was in Korea, it was the first time I was in a country where they didn't really know uh, Ireland. So I got really interested in how do you promote Ireland in places like that where they really don't know about us. And I think sometimes we flatter ourselves, you know, because of St. Patrick's Day and all of that, that everybody knows us. It's not actually the case. Um, and, you know, the Western Europe is not the center of the world. I remember meeting a a Korean delegation over in Korea and, and the, the head of the delegation said to me, he says, oh, he says, welcome travelers from the far west. I mean, because as far as Korea is concerned, it's the center of the world. You know, we're all the center of our own world. But yeah, so when I went to, to trade, you know, I was fascinated by bringing home some ideas that I developed uh, for, um, you know, kind of marketing Ireland and, and, and how we can do it better. So the trade thing really, uh, you know, I found really fascinating. Um, because my, the first part of my career, first 20 years of my career, was on the Northern Ireland peace process. Um, but um, my, my kind of postgraduate studies had included uh, the history of the Irish economy. So I was really kind of interested in how Ireland had developed from the period that I had studied economically, you know, in Ireland in the 1930s through the 1950s. How did it actually work nowadays? You know, yeah. so it's been a fascinating uh, five years in Dublin, I have to say. Well, I'd imagine it has, because particularly from a trade perspective, globally, things have been unrecognizable almost in so many ways. And one of the things that that has come up over the last <clears throat> the last few months in, in the Ireland, Canada connection side of stuff is that Ireland and Canada both have neighbors who have rapidly changing global outlooks or global positions, maybe you might say. And, you know, there's been discussion. You say that again. You could say exactly. Yeah, maybe I put that too mildly. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> one of the one of the topics of conversation is looking at, well, does this present opportunities for, for Canada and Ireland um, uh, when there is such flux uh, directly to our um, to our sides around our, our, our larger neighbours? Well, I, I mean, hey, listen, um, if you if we're if, 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 for example, you're talking about Brexit, um, I take stability over flux, frankly, you know, I mean, I don't we don't think Brexit is a good idea. Uh, it's causing, you know, it's, it's clearly hugely disruptive, um, but, you know, it's a, it's a fact of life. And in, faced with a fact of life like that, I think we just have to be very opportunistic. We have to take the opportunities where we can. We've got to mitigate the risk. And I have to say, both the previous Irish government and the current Irish government 
have been on top form, uh, including my own colleagues in foreign affairs. Um, but my minister, uh, Simon Coveney, has done an amazing job uh, in, in both governments in, in preparing us and preparing the ground and negotiating uh, with our partners in, in, in the European Union uh, on Brexit. So, you know, we've, we've really we've, we've done as, as, as good as we can to, 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 to mitigate the risks and to build on the opportunities. Some opportunities there, sure, and 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 I think we're, we've been we've been very we haven't been predatory as it were. Uh, we want um, you know the UK to have a very strong uh, economic relationship with the European Union and with us. Uh, we want to try and mitigate as as much of a break as there is possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, Patrick, you're right. I mean, the world is in flux. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, our economic if you look at Irish economic history. And our development, we've always grown every time the world has opened up. So, you know, when we joined the European Union, we took a step forward in terms of our prosperity. When the single market was developed, when the digital revolution happened, you know, so we're, we're very much a part of global supply chains. And, you know, in terms of, 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 a matter of, of the matter of kind of the principles of trade, we very much agree on maintaining globalization and maintaining free trade. Certainly, there's a point around security of supply chains, but from our point of view, that's not about reshoring or or or, or eliminating your, your supply chains. It's about diversifying them and making them secure. You know, and and we know from the history of the world and, and certainly the 20th century, trade barriers cause tensions. They lower economic growth, and ultimately, they can lead to conflict. So certainly, Ireland takes a very principled position on on in supporting free trade, um, and that's what we'll continue to do. And that gives people tremendous opportunities, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's a challenging time out there, very challenging time for business. I mean, the, who could have predicted uh, COVID? I mean, devastating for a lot of businesses. And um, But I have to say, in Ireland, uh, there, there's there's a, there's a obviously a huge negative impact. I mean, look, look at tourism and the challenges it faces. But a lot of the sectors in Ireland, because we're such a, a modern, innovative economy, we've got sectors that are uh, have responded uh, resiliently. Uh, look at the food sector in Ireland, hugely resilient and, and adaptable. We've med tech, financial services, pharma. You know, there's there's a whole range of of of, of sectors that we're strong in. Our innovation base is great, um, and so yeah, you, you you follow the energy and follow 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 the success as it were. But it does test everybody's resilience. You know, um, the, the current kind of economic conditions. Well, the very positive words there, and I think uh, what's interesting is that since the start of our conversation, you keep you keep bringing history into into the mix and and what we've seen at different periods of history. And I know, of course, you studied history and you're a, you're a lover of history. And I'd encourage yeah. anyone to check out your your blog, which you can give the address at the at the end of our interview, where you write extensively on some fascinating elements like the Normans and um, uh, the Downing Street Declaration, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and but I think it, 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 it's a really interesting point because does history if we have an appreciation and a knowledge of history does it help us to put the present into context and maybe um, look ahead with more positivity than we would if we were to not look at history yeah i think it's a really it's a really important point i mean i'm, I'm fascinated by history but i have to say i, I kind of live in the present and live for the future you know but i am fascinated by how history shapes us in ways that we don't really understand but i think it does i think you're absolutely right i think history does put you know, the flux of today and today's world in a context in which it's more readily understood. Um, but also, I think it underlines uh, the risk uh, of going down certain avenues. 
and it underlines um, our study of history does underline, you know, what is the best course? What are the best principles to follow? So if it's in trade, I think it, it's very clear it has to be free trade. It has to be business. History shows us that countries that trade don't go to war and the reverse is true. Um, you know, democracy is, is, as was famously said by Churchill, it's a terrible system, but it's the best of all other systems. Um, human rights are universal um, and uh, mutual respect, uh, you know, absolutely key. So, yes, I think it, it, it's really, it's, it's, it's fascinating to, to look at that. Um, and without getting, without, without getting swamped by history, I mean, one of the things we learned from the Northern Ireland peace process is that, you know, you, you start from today and you build to the future, you know, and that an examination of the past, you know, in terms of settling scores or something doesn't, doesn't really work. But I think, yeah, I, 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 I think to understand today's world, you have to look at the history of it, you know. That's an interesting point. But but like you say, maybe not all the history. You need to select the piece of history that is going to be constructive in moving forward as opposed to the stuff that will hold you back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, past the past is past. You know, we yeah. got to take where we're at now. And uh, as somebody once said, you know, uh, you, you, you look to the future, you know, that's the direction you're heading, not the past. Well, a bit of a random question. What leader or leaders do you most admire from history and why? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, leaders I admire. Um, uh, I'd have to say in, in kind of more recent times, uh, I'll have to think about the kind of the, the, the deeper history. I would certainly say John Hume is somebody I yeah. have a huge admiration for because... If you look at the Northern Ireland peace process, it is built around uh, a kind of an intellectual or, or conceptual construct um, uh, about the relationship between, you know, between the communities in within Northern Ireland, between Ireland, North and South and between Britain and Ireland. It's, a, it's an amazingly durable kind of framework in which to approach our relations, including in the context of Brexit, by the way. Yeah. Um, and also he was informed with such such high principles. Uh, about how we deal with each other and how we respect each other. And that, you know, the issue in Northern Ireland was not about territory. It was about people, you know. And um, he he really, ju he just kept at it. He just kept making these points and he kept, you know, convincing people of it. Um, and it was, a, it, was a, it, was a, it was a huge, huge achievement um, strategically, you know, of the first order. So uh, I think John Hume would certainly would would, would rank up there as as a, as a major uh, as a major figure. I also think Daniel O'Connell, you know, a, a man of of immense uh, stature in Europe, uh, a committed Democrat, um, you know, uh, never never had any truck with with physical the physical force movement. You know, famously called off one of one of his mass meetings in Clontarf uh, because he he feared the British would would, would turn it into trouble. Daniel Connell, an amazing figure, believed in democracy, believed in the rule of law, you know, and, and a very famous scene of him as, a, as an old man making one of his last appearances in the House of Commons, 1845 or around then, his voice was hoarse and he just begged them to help Ireland on the eve of the famine. And, um, uh, and of course, that help really, really never came. So I think Daniel O'Connell, an, 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 immense, uh, an immense figure, a principled figure as well, you know, um, so I suppose those two, those two, those two would, would, would certainly would come to mind. I think Mother Jones, um, you know, Irish immigrant, had a very hard life, becomes a, becomes a, an amazing unionist, uh, a union, uh, trade union activist in human rights, 
uh, a defender in America, um, uh, an, an amazing woman. Um, yeah, I think she would she would be would be a hero of mine as well. Lovely choices, <clears throat> and I know it's it's um, it's like pro- it's for you. It's probably like asking you to pick your favorite child because a lover of the lover of history, you develop a great admiration for a number of of people in those situations. So well done, mm-hmm. <laughs> well done on picking three anyway. Fair play, yes, <clears throat> great choices. But I think the other the theme of our conversation has been the power of relationships and the importance of mm-hmm. relationships. And I mm-hmm. think the looking at a at a post COVID recovery and you know global trade onwards, etc it's going to be relationships and like you said you know business isn't all about the profit margins and the 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 the, the P&Ls etc it's actually about relationships and I guess that's the same when it comes to uh, from a global perspective between countries and trade etc. No I think that's absolutely right you know uh, during the summer we had a, a, a series of regional uh, conferences of our heads of mission over by, by, by VC essentially and and one of the state agencies Enterprise Ireland um uh, uh, representative uh, Tom Cusack made a really important point, um, as did as his other colleague um, at Enterprise Ireland. They were making this point that it's kind of a principle with them is stay in touch with your contacts. You know, this is this is not the time to disappear. Even if you're not doing business, just you know, touch base with them, see how they're doing. And I thought it was a really it was a really good point for all of us. You know, that COVID has 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 imposed huge restrictions on people. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it is about relationships, about staying in touch with people, finding new ways to communicate, and 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 new ways to 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 overcome overcome uh, problems. You know, um, and you can see, and I'm certainly very proud of how Ireland responded to the COVID crisis. You know, that kind of agility, uh, kind of uh, adaptability, um, and you see how the Irish public responded to 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 the restrictions um, in 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 the kind of the name of the greater good. Um, you know, but again, yeah, it, it is about the relationship, you know, and, and in Ireland, we really relationships are at the heart of, 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 of everything that we are. But, but it's also obviously universal. Yeah. So, you know, in, in, in terms of, of, you know, the Irish community and those uh, uh, with Irish connections in Canada or indeed, as we call them, the, the affinity diaspora, people who may, might not have an Irish connection, but feel drawn to Ireland. Yeah. I mean, certainly Jim has done this when, when, when he was here and I'll be doing that. Just bringing a, bringing the community together in as many ways as we can. Well, Eamon McKee, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Huge congratulations on your appointment as Ireland's ambassador to Canada, Jamaica, and the Bahamas. And we wish you all the best over the next over the term of your role. And look forward to catching you again. Great, Patrick. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. And thanks again to Ambassador Eamon McKee for joining me here on the Ireland Canada Connection. I really really enjoyed that conversation. Thank you as well for listening and make sure to check out the ICBA website irelandcanada.com for more information on how we can help you whether you're a Canadian company in Ireland or an Irish company in Canada and until the next episode take care